0: Good morning, it's good to be up here in front of you all. That's a lie, it really isn't. I'm about half scared to death. Most of you are probably better preachers than me and uh, I ought to be listening to you instead of the other way around, but I'm gonna give it a shot this morning. I wanna talk to you briefly about several things, but I wanna talk to you about reaching the world, all right? First of all, I wanna share with you my own testimony. Uh, I got saved when I was a young kid didn't really live for the Lord for a long time. I was an average Christian. Went to church once a week on Sunday morning, just like most of the people in the world do today. And uh, I was a doctor. I had the biggest house in town. I had five cars, making a great income. Everything was good in my life, but I had no happiness. I was miserable. And one night I was driving my ha- family home from vacation. Late at night, everybody else was asleep. And I started talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I've wasted my life. I'm not doing what you want me to do. Lord, I will do anything that you want me to do. And the next day there was a missionary in church. God said, that's what I want you to do. And I said, Lord, you got the wrong fella, kind of like Moses. But uh, God changed my mind about that a little later on. But if, if you don't get anything else out of what I say today, one thing I try to challenge everybody to do is there's got to be a time in your life where you fall on your face before God and say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do you say, oh, I've done that. I'll bet you haven't. Because let me tell you what most people do. Someone gave me testimony of this just the other day. You go in front of God and you say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, but please don't make me do this. Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, but, and I guarantee you that but comes straight from the devil, and God's will for your life is probably right on the other side of that but. You want to find out what God wants you to do, you've got to put the buts aside. You've got to say, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. So that, that's my testimony, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's been a wild ride, but I have never for a minute regretted what i had done for the Lord. And I'll tell you the truth, a lot of people feel sorry for me. Oh, you're living in rugged places and doing rough things. Man, I'm having the most fun i ever had in my life. Uh, God will put you, if you really yield yourself to Him, He'll put you in something you're going to enjoy while you're doing it. I don't see very many true saints of the Lord that are miserable while they're doing it. And you look back at the great missionaries of, of past time, oh, they suffered so much. They weren't miserable, they were happy doing what they do. So turn it over to the Lord. That's, uh, that's a testimony, not a sermon, but I can stop right there and give an altar call. I'm not gonna. All right, Matthew chapter five and verse 13. Familiar verse of scripture. Boy, you probably have this one memorized or at least you understand it and know about it. And I'm I'm not going to share anything earth-shattering with you this morning. What I want to do is just kind of share an illustration, something to make you think, something that we can hide in the back of your mind and carry with you always. Maybe it'll change your life just ever so slightly. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith it shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And that's our text verse. Ye are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for this illustration. Lord, I just pray that you'd give me the words to say. Lord, I pray if there's one here without Christ, you'd change that today. And I pray, Lord, if there's one that's not letting their light shine, that you'd change that. Work in our hearts as you would in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you, when you were a little kid, sung that little song, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, Shine all over Menominee Falls. Did you do that? Or where, whatever it may be. And you, you run around, This little light of mine, And we love that little song, Hide it under a bushel, no, Don't let Satan put it out. You know what? We are designed to be the light of the world. When God saved you, He saved you for a purpose. If He didn't save you for a purpose, He'd have just took you home. You'd have died right away when you got saved. It would have been a lot more merciful that way anyway. Nothing in this world compares to what's up there. But you know what? We have a purpose in being here, and our life is to glorify God. Look with me. Keep yourself there in uh, Matthew, but turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Again, nothing earth-shattering. You probably all have this memorized. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Boy, do we love that passage of Scripture. It's not of works. We don't have to work for it. I remember just recently we were over in Zambia. Everybody in Zambia will tell you they're saved. You say, How did you get saved? I got saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you have to do to be sure you go to heaven? And they got a list. And baptized, go to church, do good things, and then right on down. They're, they're trusting in their works. It's not by works. You're not saved by works. You look at the words there, you're saved by grace, through faith. But we always leave off verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You know, that means that uh, we're saved by grace through faith, but we're supposed to have some good works too. Good works isn't enough though. A lot of people think, well, medical missions, that's good works. We go out and show people our, our good faith, and they just come coming to the Lord by droves. That's called lifestyle evangelism. Doesn't work. Uh, Muslims do good works. Roman Catholics do good works. Jehovah's false witnesses do good works. All kinds of people do good works. Hindus do good works, but they're not getting people to Christ. They're not getting people to heaven by doing good works. People get there by being saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do with medicine is we simply, we're the bait to get them in so that they can hear a presentation of the gospel one-on-one, face-to-face. I can tell you more about that if you're interested, and if you haven't been on a mission trip ever, you ought to come with me. That's the end of my commercial. Uh, But you know what? Our good works only glorify God if we are identified with Him. And it isn't enough just to put something, I love Jesus on your Facebook page or something. Uh, You have to live a life that identifies with the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever heard the story about the lady that was on her way to work, and she's going along, and she comes to a stoplight, and it starts to turn yellow, and, boy, she just mashes the gas pedal, goes right on through it, you know. She comes to the next light, and it starts to turn yellow, and she's going to do the same thing with the car in front of her stops. Oh, she's mad. She's (laughs) honking. Yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as the light changes, she pulls out, zips around that guy and goes on down to the next light. And uh, right away, someone else stops in front of her. She honks the horn again and zips around him. And then a police car comes out and pulls her over. And the policeman, man, he cuffs her right away, stuffs her in the back of the car and hauls her to the station. And so she's sitting there in the little room, cuffed to the table, you know, and the policeman comes in. She says, well, this kind of serious just for you know, running through a yellow light, isn't it? And he said, well, said You're, uh, we're actually here on suspicion of car theft. And she said, what? He said, well, you see, I was following you, and as I was following you, I noticed that you've got a Jesus fish on one side of your bumper, and you've got a thing that says, follow me to Sunday school on the other side, and I, I saw how you were acting, and I just assumed you had to have stole the car. It's not enough to identify with the Lord, you have to act like it. Uh, listen, it's, it's lifestyle evangelism is not the answer. I, I have a, you know, I'm a missionary. I get a lot of forums from churches. They send out questionnaires. and One of the most common questions is, what do you think of lifestyle evangelism? I don't know what your answer would be for that, but I have an answer for it. And my answer is that lifestyle without evangelism falls far short of the Great Commission. Evangelism without lifestyle is hypocrisy. And that's the truth. How many of you ever heard someone say, oh, if you're ashamed of the Lord Jesus, he'll be ashamed of you? You ever hear that? Heard it all my life, right? Is anybody really ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ that's saved? No, if you're saved, you're not gonna be ashamed of Jesus. You know what you're ashamed of? You're ashamed of yourself. You don't wanna tell people about Jesus because you know they'll say, well, look at you. You look like telling me about Jesus. I know how you live. I've seen what you do. That's why we're ashamed To tell people about Jesus we fail at evangelism because we're ashamed of our own lifestyle that's my answer to lifestyle evangelism well back to our text verse you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid I want to talk about being the light of the world and I want to start with my little light bulb here we're going to talk about this little light bulb keep it in your mind it'll be an illustration and maybe it'll help you a little bit. The first thing that I want you to notice about this light bulb is it's not doing a thing in my hands. It's no good until it gets tied into the power. And by the way, you know where this light bulb starts out? It starts out down at the store, sitting in a box, doing absolutely nothing because nobody's purchased it yet. And it has to be purchased by somebody before it can start putting out light. And the same thing is true for you. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're still sitting on the shelf, and if you've not been purchased, you can't do a thing for God. You need to be saved. Now look, you say, hey, this is a Bible college. Everybody in here is saved. Don't you believe it. I've been preaching for a long time. I can guarantee you in a room this size, somebody's lost. And deep down in your heart, you know it, and nobody else knows it but you and God. But you've never really done business with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to. I've seen two second-year Bible college students get saved that were working with my ministry, and they were lost as a goose in a snowstorm, and they were hiding it from everybody. Look way down deep in your heart, and if you're not absolutely sure, don't you leave here today until you're sure you're saved. You've got to be purchased. You've got to get connected to the power. You know, when you turn on this kind of light bulb, y'all got this kind of light bulbs in your houses, right? When you turn on this light bulb, have you ever noticed that it kind of comes on slowly? Takes a little while to get warmed up. It's kind of a little dim at first, but after a while it warms right up and it starts really making some light. Sometimes we get a little impatient with people. Sometimes we need to just wait a little bit until they light up and start putting out the light that they need to put out. But after a while this light comes on and it puts out really good light. And it lasts for a while And then after a while, the light goes out. You ever seen that happen? My son had a bedroom fan, had four light bulbs in it. Went in there one day, turned on the light, and only one light bulb was even lit, and it was dim. Boy, isn't that awful? I gotta do something about that. But I got to thinking, isn't that a picture of most of our churches today? Lots of light bulbs, but only one out of four is even burning, and it's kinda dim. So I went went to take a look at those light bulbs and see what the problem was. Got some light bulbs in my pocket. Went up on the ladder and I went to the first light bulb that wasn't lit. And I reached up to see what the problem was. And all I had to do was touch that light bulb and it came right on. Woo! I thought I had the magic touch. I was King Midas, boy. I want to jump down off the ladder and touch my checkbook real quick. You know, (laughs) it's magic. It worked. The light just came on. You know what, sometimes there's people whose light has gone out and they just need a little touch, a little touch from God. Maybe you need to hear somebody speak, maybe you need to hear a message, maybe you need to read a passage of Scripture, and all of a sudden it touches your heart, it touches your life, and all of a sudden your life changes. And you go back to making light like you're supposed to make. And once that light comes on, it stays on, and it's a great thing. You just needed a touch. Sometimes you've got to touch it a little harder, you know, put a little tap on it. Isn't it amazing how we do things? You, you ever notice people do that? What happens when your watch starts working? Tap it and see if it starts working. Didn't work? Let's tap it a little harder. You know, My son had a car. I just sold it. 01 Cougar Cougars. A nice little sports car. Uh, the key didn't work because the key was cut wrong. The only way you could start that car, you'd put the key in the ignition and then you'd smack it just a little bit and it'd go right in and then you could start the car up. Just Just took a little tap, you know. Uh, I don't want to be unspiritual, but some of you have probably seen Star Wars. You remember old Han Solo jumps in his spaceship getting ready to fly through the galaxy at super light speed, turns on the switch and goes, and then all the lights go out. And he jumps up and goes, with his fist, comes back on and he takes off. You ever done that before? I mean, sometimes when something doesn't work, you just got to tap it a little bit. I remember one time after the big hurricane came in down in New Orleans, I was in Waveland working on a church that had been devastated and my job that they gave me was to put the water pump back in commission and I rewired it and replumbed it and everything, and plugged it in, it wouldn't work. So I kind of chunked it, it didn't work. And I, was, I was at the end of my patience so I picked up a hammer and smacked that thing, Plam! started right up, Vroom! I was there for two more weeks, it worked all the time. You know what? There's a picture in that too. If you don't work from a touch, you might get a tap. If you don't get a tap, you might get the hammer. You understand what I'm saying? But sometimes, listen, all we need to start putting out light is just a little touch from God. You remember Isaiah chapter 6. The angel came down and touched Isaiah. He said, oh, I'm I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. And the angel just put one touch on him and then said, Who will I send, and who will go for us? And he said, here I am, send me. All it took was a touch. I had a a friend, I used to go hunting with him before I surrendered to go into missions. He was my hunting buddy. And uh, after I surrendered to go into missions, he heard me preach. And he came to me and he said, I cannot believe you are the same person I used to go hunting with. What made the difference? I got touched. Touch of God. Listen, if you're not putting out light, maybe you just need to be touched. Well, I got that light bulb working and I moved on. Got to the second light bulb and I touched it and it didn't work. So I tapped it and still didn't work. You know what I did next? I twisted it. And it came on. You know what had happened? The fan running and the vibration and the work over time that light bulb slowly moved away from the source of the power. Now listen to me. Jesus told the parable of the sower. By the way, you know what's unique about the parable of the sower? It's the most repeated, lengthy passage of Scripture in the Bible. It's in there four times. I believe if God put it in there four times, He wants us to listen. But the parable of the sower talks about that third seed. said, The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it became unfruitful. You know what happens? You start making light in this world and all of a sudden things come along and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and you start growing away from the source of power. And all of a sudden you're not making light anymore. Let me ask you something. Are you making light in this world? When was the last time you led someone to Christ? When was the last time you even tried? If you're not outreaching people for Jesus, you're not making light. You say, oh, I'm leading a good life. Lots of lost people leading good lives. If you're not telling people about Jesus, you're not putting out the light. And you know what it says about that third seed? It says it didn't produce any fruit. And then it talks about that fourth seed, the only fruitful seed in the parable of the sower. And you know what it says? It says it brought forth fruit 30, 60, 100-fold. Now let me ask you something. If you continue your life just like you are, Will 30 people trust Christ because of you? Will 60 people trust Christ because of you? Or 100 people? They did a poll. Scared me to death when I read this. They did a poll of people sitting in our churches. Said, how many people have you led to the Lord in the past year? Average number, zero. How many people have you led to the Lord in your life? Average number, zero. It gets scarier. The third question. How many people do you expect lead to the Lord in your lifetime? Average number? Zero. Thirty, sixty, a hundredfold. You say, I led someone to the Lord once. If you were a farmer and every grain of corn that you planted brought forth one grain of corn, how successful would you be? But what if every grain of corn brought forth a hundred and all of them got planted back and brought forth a hundred more? There's seven billion people in this world. Most of them have never heard the gospel. A third of them, as Pastor Gilmore said, have never even heard the name of Jesus. Way more than a third have never had anything close to an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have a command to reach them. Seven billion people. Anybody have any idea what a billion is? I heard this, I can't guarantee you it's right, but someone told me what a billion is It's like this, you ever go up to a railroad crossing and there's a fast moving train coming across in front of you and just to kill the time while you're waiting there at the railroad tracks, you count the rail cars. One, two, three, four, five, six, moving fast, just as fast as you can count. If you counted at that speed, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, it would take you 37 years to count one billion. And there's seven billion people in the world. And every time your watch ticks, three of them die without Christ and go to hell for all eternity. That ought to be a sobering thought. We need to start making some light. We need to get back close to God. We need to screw our bulb back into the socket to get back to the power. How do you do that, by the way? Get back in your Bible. Get back in church. Get back to serving God. You know, there's no better way to get power than service. Get back to doing something for God. Serving God is addictive. And what a thing to be addicted to. Get back close to God. Let the power of God flow through you so that His light can shine and reach some people. You've let the cares of this world screw you out of the socket. Well, it gets worse. Went to the third light bulb. And the third light bulb... Looked really good. Shiny and white, looked just like a light bulb should look. Ought to be a good bulb. So I tapped it and it didn't work. And I thumped it and it still didn't work. So I screwed it in a little tighter and it still didn't work. Said, so man, something's wrong with this light bulb. I'm just going to have to take this light bulb out and replace it. But I got to thinking, what's wrong with that light bulb? Why isn't it working? Well, it's getting power. The power's going into it. But it's got a problem. You see what the problem is is something's wrong with what's inside of this light bulb. You say, well, it must be that all the good stuff leaked out. You know, when this light bulb's made, it's filled with good stuff, mercury vapor and uh, argon gas and all kinds of things like that. You think all the good stuff must have leaked out. But you know what? The good stuff can't leak out because it's sealed. You look at this light bulb, it's got a big old seal right there. You know what's cool about that seal? It's a hundred times thicker than the rest of the glass in the light bulb. If I throw this light bulb down and smash it all up with a hammer, the only thing still gonna be recognizable is the seal, because all the good stuff is still in there. So what happens, why does the light bulb quit working? Well, you see, when that good stuff is put in there, they put a vacuum on this bulb and they suck out everything else. And what happens to make this light bulb quit working Is the world leaks back in. And all of a sudden the good stuff isn't in there alone anymore. And it doesn't work when the world is in there with it. And you know what? That's the definition of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people say, oh Lord, fill me with your Spirit. And what they think they're asking for is more of the Holy Spirit. You don't need more of the Holy Spirit. You got all the Holy Spirit you needed when you got saved. What you need to do is get the rest of the stuff out of there. What you need to do is get the world out so the Holy Spirit can work. You want that dead light bulb to work, you don't need to put more good stuff inside, you just need to put it on a vacuum pump and suck all the bad stuff out of there. If you're not shining your light for the Lord Jesus Christ, you better look around and see how much of the world you let seep in. If there's something that's more important to you than seeing people get saved, if there's something more important to you than getting the Word of God out to... Seven billion people that are going to die and go to hell without Christ—you've let some of the world seep in. You need to hook up to the eternal vacuum pump and get yourself evacuated from the world. Then you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then your light can work. Interestingly enough, we started with the verse 13, said, "Ye are the salt of the earth. But if salt hath lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing, but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men." Now, if you've ever had any chemistry class, you know that salt is a kind of an indelible substance. Salt is salt, and salt will be salt forever and always, and you can't really change it into anything else. So how does salt lose its savor? Well, there's only one way it gets contaminated. The salt is still salt. It'll always be salt. But when you throw something else into it, and it becomes contaminated, then it loses its savor. Exactly the same with us you got the Holy Spirit in you. As long as there's no contamination, you're going to shine like a bright light. But once it gets contaminated, it doesn't work anymore. Well, one more kind of bulb I want to mention to you because it's the saddest story of all. You see, if you take that bulb that's contaminated and you leave it connected to the power, something bad happens. All that power that's supposed to be going into making light that shines for the world, is gonna stop making light, and it's gonna start making heat. And that heat is gonna burn that bulb and it's gonna turn black all the way around the bottom. And the white part of the insulator is gonna turn brown because it's burned. And that thing is gonna weld itself into the socket of the fixture so tightly that you can't get it out. You try to remove it, take it somewhere else, and it just breaks apart in your hands. And sometimes it even destroys the whole light fixture because it's taking the power that's supposed to go into making light and in the world and turning it into a destructive heat. And that's exactly what happens if you're not serving the Lord and your light goes out, all the power of God that's flowing around you turns into bitterness. And you start destroying the people around you and you start destroying yourself and you look different and you act different and everybody knows things aren't right with your life. You don't even look like a good light bulb anymore. And when you try to go somewhere and change something, you're stuck right there. And that's a mess nobody can fix but God himself. Well, strife, gossip, destruction all comes from letting the power turn into heat instead of light. Every once in a while you even see a Light bulb is so good that when you turn off the lights, it just keeps on glowing. Close with a story, kind of an illustration. The story is told of a young person who got a job in a factory. It was an ungodly factory. Everybody around them cussed. Everybody around them drank. Terrible place to work. And that young person went in to talk to their pastor. And they said, Pastor, I am in a terrible situation. I have just worked in the most ungodly place I could possibly work. People are cussing, people are drinking, people are committing immorality, and I hate it, what do I do? And the pastor says, where do you put light bulbs? And that person said, if you don't understand, you don't understand what the problems are like, you don't understand the stresses that are on my life. And he says, where do you put light bulbs? And finally that young person realized, and they said, you put light bulbs where it's dark. Because then the light can shine where it needs to shine. Listen, God may put you in a dark place, but you're there so that your light can shine to other people. Let your light show, shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let me ask you a question very simply. Is your light shining today? How long has it been since the power of God flowed through you to reach out and save a lost soul In this community or in your hometown Or anywhere around the world How long has it been How much light is flowing through you When I watch your life Am I going to know That you've got the power of God Flowing through your life Or is your light out Maybe you're here this morning And you just need to be Touched just a little bit By the finger of God All you have to do is say God touch my life and he'll do it All you have to say is God I'll do anything you want me to do And he'll show you AND I CHALLENGE YOU TO DO THAT WITH NO BUTTS ATTACHED. MAYBE YOU'RE HERE AND YOU'VE GOTTEN OUT OF TOUCH WITH GOD. YOU'RE JUST A LITTLE BIT SCREWED OUT OF THE SOCKET. YOU NEED TO GET BACK INTO YOUR BIBLE A LITTLE MORE. YOU NEED TO SPEND MORE TIME ON YOUR KNEES IN PRAYER. YOU SAY, OH, I CAN PRAY WHEN I'M DRIVING MY CAR. SURE YOU CAN, A LOT OF DISTRACTIONS THERE. GET ON YOUR KNEES, GET ON YOUR FACE BEFORE GOD. SPEND A LITTLE MORE TIME WITH HIM. GET BACK IN TOUCH WITH THE SOURCE OF THE POWER. MAYBE YOU'RE HERE AND YOU'VE LET A LITTLE BIT OF THE WORLD CREEP IN you just need to get evacuated get back to where the holy spirit is all in all and the power of god can produce light in your life maybe you're burning up with bitterness whatever your problem is you need to get it right because there's a world that needs lights maybe you're here today and you've never trusted christ as your savior i look across this crowd i don't know i don't know you but i do know this somebody in here is probably lost and nobody knows it but you and God. And you're sitting there thinking, well, what would happen? What would happen if I got saved today? What would my, what would my friends think? What would my teachers think? Let me tell you the truth. If that's you, they already know something's wrong with you. And they would rejoice eternally if you got saved today and so the angels in heaven. If you're not 100% sure that you're saved, don't let pride keep you back. You make sure of it today whatever your need is. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes just for a minute. We're going to have a word of prayer. But before we do, I just want to ask you, is your light really shining bright? And I wonder if there's anyone here, you'd say, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You'd say, you know what? I just realized this morning, my light's not burning quite as bright as it should be. And I want to do something about that. I want God to change that today. If that's you, would you just raise a hand up and down? I won't call you out. Amen. Hands everywhere. Praise God for that. Listen, don't let it stay that way. Don't let it stay that way. Father, thank you so much for this illustration you've given us. Thank you for each young person that's here, for the training they're getting. Lord, I just pray that you would turn them into an army that would go out into this lost world and turn it up on its end. Make a difference because of what's going on here today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.